Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 169 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? It was a it was a great weekend. Uh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Forgot to say that last week. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their time with their family, close ones, or uh, friends, whoever it be. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was perfect with NFL. We had on Saturday and into Sunday, into the Prem. It was it was a great weekend. And record-wise, Evan and I both went 7-3. and three. Zach went 5-5. Five and five. He, he stringed it out the last couple days. So record-wise... Puts Evan seventy six and eighty, big comeback there. One game behind Zach, who is seventy seven and seventy nine, and I am in first seventy eight seventy eight. So we're all two games within each other there. Yeah, I mean, pretty decent week for for us on the uh, on the picks. I'm hoping we I can use this as like a uh, pushing off point, and I'm I'm really hoping that I can get close to 500 i think last year i actually yeah. finished positive yeah you were uh, you're were, you're were one game above 500 there yeah. and um, uh i will i will say it was the week of favorites everybody in the current table that is in the top 10 won or drew and then everybody but wolves in the bottom 10 lost right so, yeah that well, that rarely ever happens and that's why uh that's why things went as as well as they did for us i'm certain of that so yeah let's uh let's see what next week has to hold for us but in the meantime we'll we'll go over the games from match day 17 the way i want to do it this week man is i'll take one and then i'll hand you one and we'll sort of fill in the blanks for each other after we provide initial analysis so okay um i'll start with brentford and tottenham that was the first game on boxing day monday december 26th Saw the Bees take an early lead with a Vitali Yanout goal in the 15th. Ivan Tony added another after the halftime whistle, but the second half was primarily the Tottenham show. Harry Kane latched on to one in the 65th. Pierre Emile Hoiberg with a great finish in the 71st. An unfortunate uh, crossbar miss for Harry Kane later on. Uh, saw the teams share the points. For the Bees, nine shots on target, 15 for Tottenham. Five shots on target for Brentford, eight for Tottenham. The possession was in Tottenham's favor at 61%. Uh, and it would be fair to say that Tottenham were the better team, but defensively, just really, really poor in the first half. Uh, they did have Langlet, Dyer, and Tanganga in there. We don't see all that much of Tanganga, and they're with, they were without uh, Larissa as well. But I thought when I saw the uh, the lineup in the morning, like, with Hoiberg and Basuma in the center of the park, they're both defensive players. I mean, Hoiberg's better getting forward, but um, I thought that they'd be okay and and they wouldn't really uh, suffer against a Brentford team that often, you know, can be kind of flat up top if Tony's not there on, on his day. But they really did struggle uh, in the first half and they were lucky to get a couple moments of, of brilliance out of Kane and a really good finish from Hoiberg. I think they're lucky to get away with a point here, but... Um, if you took that, that second half performance and isolated it, you know, Spurs are going to be a scary team moving forward towards the end of the season. Yeah, there was a heavy changes for Spurs, especially in the back line. Um, three of their main guys and Davies, Romero and Lloris all not starting there, whether it was due to fitness or celebrating winning the world cup. It was, it was a big miss. Basuma. Big letdown for him, um, a couple turnovers, one key one that fortunately for him was was uh, ruled off sides from Tooney's goal, so he caught a big break there. And Spurs are the worst first-half team, going down uh, 1-0 at the half, and they didn't really have any chances, maybe bar one shot from Sun, I think, and even that wasn't even good. And I'd say big credit to Brentford. They're very fortunate that Tooney is still able to play. Um, we didn't yeah. we didn't think he was going to be in this game, and uh, I think without him, their whole game plan went out the window. They played a lot of long balls into him, backing down defenders, and I would say eighty percent of the time he was coming down with it. And even with that first touch, it was a, a nice layoff, not just a, a take a touch and then lay it off. So the distribution was massive for them. But um, Spurs did what they did. They're the best second half team. Yeah. Um, 11, it, just taking into account their second half uh, as a season, they're 
11, 2, and 3, which is first in the league. So they always come from behind somehow. Conte rips them a new asshole, and they, they have some life. And we saw this. And I think Spurs really should have won this game in the end, like you mentioned, the Kane bar. But, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a massive drop-off for Spurs, knowing that the two, the or the, sorry, the three teams above them all won, as well as all the teams behind them within range. So they're in a precarious spot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, I'll hand uh, Southampton Brighton off to you. Lovely. This was a game that I don't think reflected, I should say the scoreline didn't really reflect how the stats panned in a bit. Um, we saw the first goal go in the 14th minute. Uh, a ball whipped in from Solly March, who was probably man of the match here. Uh, nice flick header from Lalana. This was probably the first one where it was right at Basunu. And a Premier League goalkeeper should be saving this. It, it had a lot of power, but goes under his hands. Uh, second one, Brighton once again moved the ball well. Hit a ball to the back post. Perot own goal. Going 2-0 down at home is never good. It takes the fans completely out of the game. Uh, and then Southampton made two halftime changes, which I think is smart just to try and change up the flow. But they didn't really have anybody up front going forward besides that uh, a dozy guy they got from Man City. It seems yeah. like he is... A lot of people are seeing him play the last couple games, even before the World Cup. Um, he was getting some nods in there in the lineups and also subs appearance. So I think people like him going forward, potentially. Um, and then in the 56th minute, Brighton slammed the door uh, with a solid March banger, probably goal of the week. Yeah. Um, James Ward-Prowse fortunately gets a pen initially saved, scores the rebound, fortunate for him, and then from there, Brighton just carried on and could have added a fourth or a fifth. Yeah, I mean, this Southampton team is just absolute dog meat. Um, Brighton, I think, did extremely well here. They they are just good. They're a good team. They've been, they were good under Potter. They've been good under DeSerby. I mean, they had a bit of a, a misstep, like one game, I think, but uh, outside of it, they've, they've been really good. And, um, to to get a nice victory here, we probably could have scored four or five, like you mentioned, without McAllister. Uh, I think is is fantastic. Lana stepped in. Uh, Sully March, I think you know we've kind of sung his praises for a couple of seasons now at this point. Um, and yeah, they look really good. So I'm sure when McAllister comes back, I think he just got married as well. So he wow. he did um. The the celebrate they he won the World Cup they did the celebrations then I think he got married it was either him or another Argentina player and he didn't go because of something so I know he's out of the team and I'm sure when he comes back he'll be right on form and and Brighton are gonna get a nice piece back and hopefully I mean continue their their impressive season who knows maybe Graham gives him a call yeah I'll maybe a, a direct flight to London instead yeah yeah anything's possible at this point. Uh, okay, let's move on to Leicester City, nil, Newcastle, three. Chris Wood with a penalty in the third minute launched Newcastle out of the blocks. Miguel Almiron added another in the seventh. His form just, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to stop at any point. Uh, he's been absolutely lethal. And then a Jolinton goal in the 32nd. Newcastle, three, nil, heading into halftime. Nothing doing in the second half for either team's. Um, but Newcastle defended their lead very, very well. They let uh, Leicester City have a little bit more of the ball after that three-goal barrage early, uh, and they just, you know, they stayed behind. They made sure that they defended with intensity and intent, uh, and they were able to do that. Good shutout um, for this back line. Dan Byrne, Spotman, Shar, and Trippier have been really, really good in the games that they played together. Pope not having to do a ton of work here either. Uh, it was a, a, tr a truly very, very good performance from Newcastle. Uh, five shots on target for them, just two for Leicester City. Tough day at the office for the Foxes, but I don't really think it surprises anybody. I mean, they are just truly um, battered at this point. They, they, they're not able to get uh, enough out of Dewsbury Hall and Dennis Pratt. Uh, Harvey Barnes, I think, is still a good player. Daka, I think, is another guy that can do a job, but... Uh, the the years of of Vardy, um, just absolutely putting his boot through the ball and 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 just smashing everybody. Uh, those those years are over. You can't depend on him for that. 
And until they get James Madison back, I think it's going to be really tough for Leicester City. Yeah, this is a team that I would say for the last two seasons hasn't ever been fully fit going yep. into a season or coming out of a break. Uh, even after this long break, they had more injuries to deal with than before. No Evans, you mentioned Madison and Didi um, came off the bench here who in the past has been a, a, a out-and-out starter for them week in and week out. Um, things were going all wrong, and they couldn't have gotten all, off on a wrong foot there in that first minute pen. So that was the marker right there for Newcastle, just like uh, Brighton getting those two early goals away. Newcastle did the same thing, took the fans out of it for Leicester, and it was just they couldn't really get anything going until the second half where it seemed like Newcastle were on co- uh, cruise control, didn't really see a point in sending it anymore, and they just got guys that um, usually don't get a lot of minutes in there, um, decent time. So all in all, I think this is really put a stomp or a stop to Leicester. They were going into this game with four wins out of the last five. Now they sit kind of in, in limbo uh, a few games out from being where we think they should be around that ninth area. And uh, Newcastle just continue to fly where a lot of people thought maybe they wouldn't continue the run they have been on. And now it's uh, it's they just press the resume button, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, you up next, Crystal Palace versus Fulham. This game was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, two red cards for Palace there, one for Mitchell in the 34th minute after it already being 1-0, and then a double yellow for Tompkins in the 57th. And even with nine men, Fulham were still only up 1-0 after a Bobby D. Cordova regal in the, in the 31st minute, assisted by Mitrovic, which we don't really say a lot. He was kind of a doubt even going into this game, him and Anthony Robinson. So it kind of was a mindfuck to people last second for them being put into the team, which I could see a lot of bets coming in. And then, uh, yeah, it was just like how I said with Newcastle in the second half on cruise control. It was kind of the same thing with Fulham here. Even up 1-0, it didn't seem like they were in any rush to get a second until the 71st minute when our boy, uh, National Treasurer Tim Ream, Bags his first prem goal there. Nice little swipe at it, uh, assisted by Mitrovic again. Uh, would have been really sad. It got VAR checked for a potential handball, but thank God it was it was confirmed to be a goal. And then in the 80th minute, uh, Fulham taking full advantage of the wings, stretching Palace out with only eight on the field. Uh, it was uh, a ball back post. Willian hits a shot on target, and then Mitrovic redeflects or redirects it into the back of the net for a third to cement the misery of Palace on this day. And I will say that Vieira's face was just a, how I felt watching this game at times. It was really sad. Uh, I think there was a moment off camera where Zaha was going at it with the Fulham fans and they were eating it up every minute of it. Yeah, this is ugly. I mean, for for Palace, it was absolutely beautiful to see that Tim Ream just absolutely laced it into the roof of the net. That was a great first goal or second goal. Um, but Palace just not up to the task. Like this is one of those games where it's just a complete nightmare, disaster. You know, after the first goal, that it's gonna be really tough. The double red, like. Everything possible that could have went wrong did go wrong for Palace. Yeah, um, you have to just like th- these sort of games, and this is a tough one because Palace and Fulham were like level on points before this. Um, yep. What are you gonna do? You have to kind of just be like, okay, we really fucked everything up that game. Let's totally change the game plan for the next one, uh, and and kind of try and forget about this one. So. What are you going to do? It happens. <clears throat> Even to the best teams, it happens. Um, all right, let's move on to Everton Wolves. Wolves with the 2-1 victory over Everton. Um, Everton did score first. Yerry Mina scored in the seventh minute, but Wolves did not have to wait long for a goal of their own. Daniel Potence with a goal in the 22nd. Then they would have to wait for the winner. But in the 95th minute, Ryan Aitnori scored sending Wolves uh, <clears throat> away with three points. D. 
Diego Costa actually played in this game. Forgot that he was in the league at this point, um, but he did play. Uh, I think Wolves actually, this is one of their better games this season. They at least scored. Uh, still didn't look like mega threatening, to be honest with you, but it's fine. If you can get four shots on target and take two from that, uh, it's a 50% conversion rate. I don't know. I don't really think you can complain about it that much if you're Wolves, considering they, I think they've scored like maybe 10 goals, not even 10 goals this season, probably. Um, and then for Everton, this was just a bit of a capitulation. I think if you, if you go ahead in the first 10 minutes, it's always going to be danger because you're very rarely as like a team like Everton, they're very rarely going to be able to, to defend that lead. But this was against Wolves and that's like one of your only options to say, okay, we got a goal. We can take our foot off the gas a little bit, regroup and then go in waves and waves and waves. But they just didn't do that. This was discombobulated, um, ugly Neil Mopai. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure why they bought him. I don't think he's a good player. I think he brings attitude issues and to line him up aside, like McNeil and Gordon, uh, Gordon's young and McNeil, I think is shit. I just, I, I don't know what they're sort of setting themselves up for here. Um, Damari Gray is a better option. I'd like to see more Ducore, like, this is just not a good Everton team. It's not a good Wolves team either, but I do think that they were better, honestly, on this day. Yeah, uh, this gets Wolves right one point from the drop zone there behind Everton in 17th. Massive pressure now on Frank. Uh, this was a game that they desperately needed points out of. Now they have to go to, to Man City, which definitely looks like it's going to be another pumping potentially, but... In this game in particular, everybody lost money. The under did not hit, and the draw didn't hit. So that was shocking in itself, and this was a real gut check for me in those pickums there. This should have been a win, but went your way somehow. And then um, I, I the, watching the highlights, this could have been like 4-3. The amount of chances that were skewed or just saved off the goal line, it was... It was incredible. Everton, I think, should have won this game. Um, and I I would give 60% of the blame on this result on the Everton fans themselves because in the last five minutes of added time, Everton were being patient and they were kind of trying to go for the win, but the fans got more and more upset and just screaming more. And I think that kind of played on the Everton players' minds and they kind of sent it a bit, a loose touch, and then that Wolves counter hit. Adama Traore on the counter is somebody you don't want to see. And then uh, the goal happened, as you mentioned, in the 94th. So uh, I kind of blame the fans in a way here. Yeah, uh, I guess that's fair as well. That's, that's, fair. Probably, that's probably a very uh, a hot take and a very odd take at the same time. Eh, I, I get it, though. Um, all right, Aston Villa versus Liverpool for you. Yeah, this was a this was a game that was interesting. Um, good, I thought it was at a period in the time of the day where all the all the ball was weighing on me. Yeah, and and I kind of took a, a partial nap in the middle of it. So um, I did see the first goal in the fifth minute. Who couldn't have missed it? Uh, probably the best goal of the day. I think the, one of the best team goals from this weekend. Uh, a clearance off a corner from Villa. Ball comes out to Trent, who's the last man back. Plays a nice outside the boot ball to Rabo down the right. First time ball across, most style of tap in. Can't ask for much more. That's Liverpool ball, clock ball right there. Um, 37th minute, Van Dyke doubles the lead with a solid assist. Uh, Ali Watkins gets one back in the second half off a Douglas Louise assist. And then youngster Stefan Bezhekti. Uh, Bashetic, yeah. he scores, I think, 18, 19 years old. Um, left-footed ball, bottom corner there, making it 3-1. Beautiful the door. goal. Mag- Magnum, too. Mm-hmm. It was it was one of those moments where we know Liverpool have been dealing, especially with the attack, with a lot of injuries. And I think that we saw three teenagers get in this game for them in, in Bajectic, uh, Doak, and Elliot. I think all those guys playing. Oxlade-Chamberlain got a rare start with all the injuries they have, and uh, they officially announced that Cody Gakpo is signing with the club. So 
that adds yeah. to the depth there, and it'll be interesting to see how they use him if they play him centrally or um, if they keep Nunes in. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I think for Villa there, it's it's disappointing because there was a period in that game where I think they definitely could have gotten a point out of this. Yeah, I mean the thing that I took away from this one is that um, Darwin Nunez, you're he's on watch, dude. He's mm. on he's on suspect watch. I was going to ask you as a new segment, we, could do, we need to do a fraud watch. Yeah, he's on fraud watch. <laughs> he's the inaugural fraud watch candidate. I mean, I have never seen somebody so technically and physically gifted be so poor at finishing. He was trapping balls that were like 30 feet high in the air, taking them down, and then just blowing them right at the keeper. Or yeah. making a, an, a 60 meter run and then blowing it wide of the net. Either try and pass it or just just get it on frame. J- just get it on frame. And there, so, there's. I think he was a bit in shock that he was getting that much service from I, uh, after I guess. the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, that's a fair point. But he's had like, he just had so many opportunities. He probably could yeah, have had at least three goals in this game, like at least. Mm-hmm. Um, his own fraud watch. The finishing is poor. And I think yep. if you're as talented as he is physically and also technically, like he's good, he's very good with the ball at his feet. He makes the right decision most of the times as well, but his finishing piss poor, really good game from Salah. I think Ox actually stepped up strangely. Um, and then Gak, Gak was a good move, man. Uh, it's unfortunate because that to me sort of, Speaks to the fact that maybe Jota is not going to be a long-term guy. Um, Nunez, I would imagine they'll probably slip out to the left, and then Gakpo honestly might play up top. He doesn't really play wing; he he does play in the center of the park. So unless the, unless they change their formation um, and and start to play with maybe an attacking mid like they used to play with Coutinho, um, then maybe you'd see him play Cam. But I can't really see Gakpo fitting anywhere else besides the nine. Um, yeah, because we saw in the we saw in the World Cup he played in the a front two system there with Memphis yeah. or uh, Bergvine, right? Which is fine. Like he can play a little bit. Like he can play offset for sure. He can play as a left or a right striker. I don't think that's really an issue. But he he does he doesn't play on the wing. So I don't know. Um, well, he didn't at least at the World Cup. I think he did actually. He has played on the wing at at PSV, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the plan is for um for Liverpool where where they're going to use him. So that that is something that I'm I'm keeping my eye on. But yeah, a really good game from Liverpool. They looked great. Um, that Bajetic kid, that's a fantastic finish. Honestly, that that's that's something that even you know Salah or Holland. That's a really really tight uh angle. And to, to finish from there, to have the composure to tap that ball, keep it in um, nice and sharp to your feet, and then finish that calmly, I think is is very impressive. So, yeah, Liverpool can't ask for much here. Uh, really, really good performance from them. Salah looked awesome. So Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on into the next one. We had Arsenal 3, West Ham 1. Uh, disgusting first half, honestly. Not from Arsenal, but... Just the uh, the officiating was poor, in my opinion. Saeed Ben-Rama scored in the 27th minute on a penalty uh, that probably shouldn't have been a penalty. I don't know. Maybe like maybe there's a call for it, but pretty uh, pretty soft, in my opinion. There were other other fouls that I thought could have been worse. Uh, before that, Saka actually had the ball in the back of the net, but it was varred off. So uh, probably should have been 1-1 at this point, but instead it was 1-0. Arsenal started to apply the pressure, but it was a lot of tiki-taka. West Ham playing 11 behind the ball because they're scum rats. Uh, Unfortunately, that did not last for West Ham. Arsenal came out in the second half absolutely just chomping at the bit. Saka scored in the 53rd. Martinelli in the 58th. A fantastic goal. And then Enketia must have been watching Henri highlights because he absolutely turned somebody inside out on a lovely ball, slotted home in the left side of the net in the 69th. Arsenal could have had more after that, but they didn't. 16 shots for the Gunners, five of those on target, three goals, eight shots for West Ham, four on target, 33% possession, a truly sorry performance from the Irons. 
Yeah, and Katia spun at least four, four or five times. It was it was exceptional. He did the little hip turn. It was it was awesome to watch. It was like watching a somebody that's been working on in the last couple of weeks on his craft a bit, uh, yeah. knowing that he's got to be that guy for the next few months. Um, saw Jesus there in the in the tunnel there with his coat on, everything too. He he still wants to be a part of the of every bit of the team as he can, which is nice to see. Um, on the field, specifically for West Ham, man, it just doesn't seem like they're everybody's all together on the same page. Um, it seems at times the pressing is a bit off from certain guys. Um, when Paqueta has the ball, it seems like he has a different approach to how they he wants to build up to the team. Um, Bowen has had a massive drop-off from last year. Comparatively, um, if we think to last year, players that had a great year to this year, I think he's at least top five on the biggest drop-off for sure. Um, and the back line, too, just kind of all over the place a bit. Dawson's always been a hard guy to to beat. But that it seems like that Tino Care in the back hasn't really found a spot in this team fully yet. They're, they're playing him at center back now until Zuma gets back, and at times he plays full back. So I don't know if he's a long, long guy in this team. So, and then I think on that second goal you mentioned with Martinelli, I don't think Fabianski should be getting beaten at that front post. It was really uh, poor. He shouldn't. Nasty finish uh, though. Yeah. Um, back line for Arsenal, not their best. Game of the year. Um, Midfield-wise, they did really good. Odegaard was running the show. Um, Sokka as well. Very nice to see. Uh, And yeah, an overall great performance for them to carry it on, uh, keeping that five-point gap there uh, in front of City. Absolutely. Um, Okay. You are up next with Chelsea Bournemouth. It's funny that it, it actually worked out this way. I got Arsenal and you got Chelsea. It's perfect. Of course, that's how it should always go, right? Yep. Um, yeah, massive three points, much needed when literally everybody else around us is winning as well. Um, keeping a clean sheet, super, super nice. Um, haven't had one of those in a while. Um, yeah, so it, it was it, the good thing was we were up at half, both goals in the first half here, 2 0. Kai Havertz scoring, assisted by Sterling coming down that right side. Reese James played a massive factor in this game when he was in there. And then the 24th minute as well, goal from Mount, uh, assisted by Havertz. Nice layoff, uh, finessed into the bottom corner. Travers couldn't get anywhere near it. Um, And Pulisic potentially could have had a third there, but referee called a push in the back on Havertz, which was kind of sus because um, he was given some other calls up the other end that didn't seem to coincide with what his assistant were for on our end. So. A um, bit fishy there. And then from there, it was a bit on cruise control. There were some really scary moments in the buildup in the back for us. Um, very uncharacteristically on Thiago Silva. He played a pair of balls across our our box where it was intercepted. And we had to go into survival mode. Do whatever you can to just stop, block the shot. Could have been a penalty on us. And... I would say the only other major highlight was Reese James getting hurt in the 50th minute. Um, re-aggravated his that injured knee he just came back from, so they're saying he'll be out for another three to four weeks, which is really sad um, because you could just tell the difference with him and this team um, going forward is incredible. And putting Aspie in there, who is a great servant of the club for the past decade, he just doesn't have the same mentality and going up in the attacking end. So um, from there, we made a couple different changes that didn't really affect the game. And then, um, yeah, it ended 2-0. Uh, it was, I, the whole game, I felt really in control, or I should say safe. I never felt like Bournemouth had a clear-cut opportunity to, to, to score here. Um, and uh, I would say I really, really enjoyed Zachariah, uh, or Zakaria, I should say, getting the start here. You could just tell the difference in him in there compared to a Kovacic or Jorginho in his situation. He was yeah. just a massive body that was always willing to get involved and break up the play. His passing was, I would say, 5 out of 10. Out of all the guys yeah. in the midfield, he gave up the ball the most, which is hard, um, especially in bad situations. But... He, I, I enjoyed his energy and just his ability to be a presence in there, break things up. So, 
overall, I give the performance like a B plus. Yeah, I think this this was one of Chelsea's better performances like as a group this season. Um really shitty to see Reese James get injured. Like that, yeah. that sucks. I re- I really like Reese James. I I've sung his praises for some time. I think he's a really really good player. I mean, he fits into any team in the league in a variety of positions. He's really really good. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for a month. That that really sucks. Yeah. Um, but like Matt said, Zakaria, I think another guy, I'm, I was really glad to see him play. I think he's for sure somebody they need to consider starting every week just because of the energy he brings, um, and the physical presence. He's not quite like a Matich, but very, very willing to be physically imposing and to use his body, which is what Chelsea need. That's when they're at their best is when they have somebody in the center of the park that's willing to do that. And He's absolutely somebody that can fill that role for them. Mount, uh, it, it frees him up a little bit to, to do more of the attacking role. He got a goal here in this one. Havertz with yeah. a goal. It's I think that that's good. Like that's definitely something that they they need to do. And it also allows Chelsea to press, and they finally pressed hard in this game, and that's why they were able to retain so much of the ball and to play the way that they did. This was a good Chelsea performance. This They don't move me very often these days, and this was a moving performance. It was very good, and I think they have to carry this into the next game because um, this sort of play is is really going to be the thing uh, that gets them you know, out of like eighth and, and into fifth or, or even fourth. It, it's very possible. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I would say just one more thing. It's going to be really tough to do that with everybody else competing at such a high level, and true. I think position wise i think with especially the front four here they all played in positions i would say they they are best at yeah havertz at the nine mount 10 and then sterling in a familiar uh right wing position and then pulisic as well out on that left where he played in the world cup so um i wouldn't say it was pulisic's best game but i felt like he was the most foul guy out there yeah for sure um okay we'll move on to united forest uh really only have to talk about one team in this one united three nil uh rashford with an early goal in the 19th martial added one just after him in the 23rd on a rashford assist and then fred uh with the final nail in the coffin in the 87 17 shots for united eight shots for forest eight shots on target uh for United, just three for four, 66% of the possession going United's ways. They completed 87% of their passes. This is just about the best lineup I think United can put out. Um, it's tough to say that Garnacho belongs on the bench, but I do think at this point it makes more sense um, to just start Rashford and, and Anthony and and bring those guys off the bench when these guys need a rest. Anthony wasn't great in this game. I still think he he needs to be the guy that's starting there at right mid uh, or right wing. But Rashford was absolutely sick. I mean, he was fantastic in this one. Great finish, great assist. Martial was good. And then we had, you know, AWB sort of slotting back in. It's been a while since he's been in the team consistently. I think he was really good. He brought a lot of energy. It was a really solid performance. I do think he's their answer at right back. I've always sort of rated him. Uh, and I do think it's good to see him back in this team. And hopefully he can uh, establish enough for him to stay in. Fernandez, decent performance from him. Ron and Shaw, great center back pairing here. Uh, then we had Malasia play at left back. He plays with a certain intensity as well. He needs to be refined a bit, but I do think he can be an answer for them there as well. So a really just piss poor performance from Nottingham Forest, in my opinion. Uh, Lingard hasn't been good for them this season whatsoever. They have Froiler in the center of the park, who's been a decent player for them. Same thing with Yates, but neither of them able to get on the score sheet. Neither of them really able to do anything outside of a goal that was ruled off. Um, so, yeah, not much to complain about for, for United here. A really good performance, in my opinion. I think the out of the lineup there, the most surprising thing was Luke Shaw's center back. Yeah. Um, Maguire coming back from an illness or something, so he wasn't fully fit. That's what we were hearing. But um, I've been seeing a lot of the big teams. They do this thing with the, one of the fullbacks 
specifically I think the left back they push into the, like how Cancelo does into the midfield and then one of those holding mids kind of pushes out wide for them um I don't know I don't know if you've seen that a lot lately but Malassia was picking up in more central positions here um similar to like how Cancelo did and then I think Zinchenko and Tierney kind of did that too so I don't know if that's like a new thing going on but it seems like it's working for all these teams Erickson picking the ball out wide and having a little bit more time to send balls through. But yeah, I think this, like you said, this is their best 11. I think Garnacho's too soon to crack into this. They just bought Anthony for 90, 100 million pounds. So I think a lot of people want to see him play first. But when he did come in, everybody in the crowd wanted to see Garnacho on the ball and kind of got them up on their feet a bit. Um, and yeah, overall poor performance from Forrest. This is a game they really needed Dean Henderson, but he couldn't play because of uh, going up against his parent club. Forrest, like I said, only scored one goal on the road all year. Haven't They've only picked up two points on the road as well out of their total 13. So they, their, their fate was kind of sealed from the start. And um, nothing off the bench either, really. I think they have a few injuries to a couple guys. And, yeah, I, I was kind of confused with Orier starting over Nico Williams a bit, too. Maybe it was a specific matchup they wanted to go for, but whatever it was, it didn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Ugly game here. Um, I don't know. You're prepared for Leeds and City now? Yeah, this was a a very, very intense game. Great atmosphere. Uh, we saw nil nil, or sorry, I think right before the half, uh, Man City went up one nil. A Rodri goal. Um, it was coming from the start. Holland had at least three shots on target in the first half, or two that uh, even in the first minute he could have scored. They were right off the front, um, going right at Leeds. So one nil at the half kind of changed things up a bit, and then five minutes into the second half, Erling cashes his ticket in uh, a sweat from a Jack Grealish. Um, came from a mistake in Leeds in the back line in their passing. It was absolutely infuriating because I was going up against Erling this week in fantasy. Um, So that goal just killed me. Um, And then to add more misery to the story, Erling in the 64th again from his boyfriend, Jack Grealish. We saw uh, Grealish kiss, or no, Erling kiss Grealish on the forehead, I think. Um, It's a little bromance there. Uh, Leeds definitely did have a lot of energy in this game. They're getting in Man City's face. That's their number one thing they have going for them is their youth and, and energy and the press. And the only problem was Man City are just so technically good. They passed out of it 75, 80% of the time. And that was all Leeds really could have done to get anything in this game. Um, they did get a goal, though, in the 73rd minute. Strauch off a corner, assisted from Greenwood. Uh, and that really ended it. Man City could have had another goal or two early in his post-match interview. Definitely, uh, or did say he could have had four or five, which is not many Premier League strikers can say that every yeah. game. He's on twenty now for the year out of fifteen games. The the teams played. He's only played in fourteen, so he scored just as many goals as a, a lot of Golden Boot winners have in the past. Yep, it's it's certainly. Uh... It's probably in his future here. I mean, I think he's on track for 52, they said right now. That's so fucking insane. He he is the just such a goblin. He He's built yeah. like the fucking Terminator. He is unstoppable. The city, the, the city team in general. I mean, like they're, they're just so sick. They're so good. Um, and I, I, I don't know how you can stop them. Like, I know Arsenal are at the top of the table and they're at this point I think they're five points clear of City, but Yeah. It's just like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it truly doesn't mean anything because City are so good. I can see the holes where Arsenal could, could let, you know, a result go here or there, even this game that we have coming up against United. Like it wouldn't shock me if we somehow lost. And City are just a team that every single game they go into, whether it's against Liverpool, whether it's going to be against Arsenal or Tottenham or Newcastle, like you know that they're going to fight and they're not going to make a ton of mistakes. And if they do make a mistake, they'll make up for it with with Holland or with with De Bruyne. Like it doesn't even matter. So yeah, uh, yeah, this was sick. Just such an unbelievable performance again from a City team that really just 
don't miss easy goals. They don't fuck it up. Yeah, I think with what Leeds had as well, with the amount of injuries they had, they did as best as they could with Adam suspended. Um, still, Stuart Dallas trying to recover and ailing off the bench. No Bamford. I mean, they did all they could, and I think this result, they can take a lot of positives out of it. Um, and I will say for City, you mentioned people stopping them. I think this is the hardest stretch of games they may have um, for the rest of the year here. They got... Everton, we know coming up, they play Chelsea twice, once in the FA Cup in the league, as well as United and Tottenham, which Tottenham has been their bogey team the last couple of years. So um, they may drop a few points here, and if Arsenal can keep keep things going, um, they still have to play each other twice. Word. Uh, your, I'm kind of getting your hopes up there, but yeah, a little bit. All right, let's uh, let's move on to previews. Are you ready? <clears throat> Yeah, I have all my stuff written down. I spent last night doing it, and I think I heavily overthunk a bunch of these. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to try and not do that, because last week, that's what I, I, I didn't overthink anything, and I was 7-3. and three, So Yeah. Uh, West Ham versus Brentford up next. Tomorrow, 2.45 p.m. we got two games tomorrow, uh, them and then Liverpool and Leicester. So for West Ham and Brentford, I'm going to take Brentford. If Brentford bring that same energy they did in the first half against Spurs, they're going to head into into the tunnels being up one. I don't think West Ham are good enough to play from behind right now. And I do think Brentford on paper are just a better team, especially if Tony's playing. And it doesn't seem like he's going to be out anytime soon because the appeals process has to go. It cannot ban him until the appeals process is finished. So I'll take Brentford. Uh. Zach's as well going with you with Brentford, um, which I'm happy with because you guys both have terrible records with them. So I will gladly say I'm picking West Ham here at home. This is a get right game. West or Brentford, I should say, are the weirdest team this year. Four wins, eight draws, and four defeats. Um, they've given up 27 goals, which is the, I think, fifth most, I think, tied this year. Um, so. This is a game right game for West Ham. David Moyes needs this game super, super bad. They're only one point above the drop. Uh, a loss here could will be five in a row for them, um, which would be really sad to see because this team has done so well the past few years. And I'm just thinking they have to get a win here, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, Liverpool versus Leicester City up next tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Just kickoffs 15 minutes after... West Ham and Brentford. I'm going to take Liverpool. Another game where I just don't want to overthink it. Darwin has to score here or else he's going to still be on fraud watch next week. And let me just tell you something, Darwin Nunez. That's not something you want. You don't want to be on fraud watch two times uh, in two weeks. It's it's a very, very bad sign for your career. Yeah, I would say I guess my fraud watch would be Patrick Vieira. Um, I hate to hear it. Me and him have had a, a bad history back and forth. Uh, I called him out, and he kind of stuffed it in me, and now it's kind of coming back out. So uh, I'm putting him back on fraud watch a bit there with that performance. But this game, I think Liverpool here as well. Zach is tripling down there for us with Liverpool. This will be a high-scoring game. Liverpool, or i sorry, Leicester are high-scoring on the road, uh, but they give up a lot of goals too. Um, I think both teams definitely score here. I don't see a clean sheet, and I think this could be like a three-two Liverpool game. Okay, fair enough. Depending um, on if Madison's back, I should say too. That's true, and apparently he did he did get kind of banged up again after the World Cup and training. So I yeah. don't, I have no idea what his timetable looks like. I, I should probably look into that. Oh, uh, it's saying he's gonna be out until mid-January, so he'll be uh, ruled out. Yeah, yeah. he'll be done. That's bad. Yeah, that is a bad look. Uh, okay, Wolves versus United. United, I believe, ha- is this game home? No, it's at the Molyneux. So yeah. United are away here uh, looking to get another win starting off their second half of the season. I'll take United. I think they can absolutely win here. If Rashford plays like he did uh, against Nottingham Forest, I don't think they're going to have much issue uh, putting Wolves away pretty early. Yeah, I think they're going to put up pretty much the same team. If not, maybe put Maguire in there. Um, Wolves at home uh, have only earned eight points, whereas United on the road have been very good. Um, so I, I think this is... a. am going to go with United. Zach is as well. Uh, I think this, out of all the games, this could be a big trap game for United. Um, this is a classic United are in, in hot form. 
they come up against a team that we think they're going to route, and then they go back into that infamous fraud chess United type of thing. So yeah. I would put them on fraud watch a bit halfway there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bait and think they continue the route. Okay, fair enough. Um, next game is City versus Everton. You can just pen me in for City on that one. <laughs> yeah, Everton have the fifth fifth fewest goals given up this year with 19. They are a stout defense. We know they're going to bunker in here and try to earn a point. Um, so I'm, we're all taking City, Zach, as well. Okay. Um, Fulham versus Southampton up next. Southampton looked like shit last week. Fulham looked really good. I'll take Fulham here, too. Yeah, I'm taking Fulham as well. Zach is taking a draw here. Uh, Fulham on the road, or Southampton, I should say, on the road. Um, have done a little bit better. Um, uh, they've both given up 15 on the road and 15 at home. And attacking-wise, they don't do as well on, on the road, I should say there. But, yeah, it's hard not to pick Fulham here. I've been listening to a lot of Fulham podcasts because of Mitrovic and the guys on my fantasy team. and. They have a lot of doubt. They think this could be a trap game, but um, it's it's hard not to go with them after what they just did to Palace, and I think they continue as well. Okay. Um, I'm going to take, or for the next game, which is Bournemouth-Palace, I'm going to take a draw. I haven't picked a draw yet. It's never this straightforward. I'll take a draw here. Palace are going to be without two other guys that are serving bands. Uh, Bournemouth didn't look great last week, but we're able to limit a pretty good Chelsea team to two goals. I can see this being a one-one draw. Like, wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, Bournemouth at home are significantly better than they are on the road. They've earned six more points at home with a positive goal differential, whereas on the road they have a negative seventeen. Um, this is a get-right game for Bournemouth. Like you said, they did fairly decent against Chelsea for the circumstances. So I'm going to go with Bournemouth, and so is Zach. Okay, cool. Um, then we have Newcastle versus Leeds. Leeds pretty poor last week. Newcastle really good. This is probably going to be a like a, a game that doesn't go as I suspect, but I do think Newcastle will win, so I'll stick with them. Yeah, we're all taking Newcastle here. Leeds are... 19th when it comes to on the road they've only earned four points whereas at home they've earned 11 they've given up 17 on the road whereas at home they've only given up 12 they've only earned one win on the road as well but you can't really go against this Newcastle team I think it will be tested here but still I think they maybe nick it out okay um Brighton versus Arsenal it's a Saturday game at 12 30 Tough, really tough. Uh, Arsenal have only lost one game, and I think they've only drawn maybe one or two. They're seven and zero at home, and they're six one and one on the road. Yeah, so they've lost a game and drawn a game. I'll take they, Arsenal. I I have to stick with them. They've been very good for me this season, so I'll stick with them. Yeah, Brighton are a bit of a bogey team for Arsenal as of lately, mm-hmm. uh, with beating them back in April, and then last October they drew them nil-nil. Uh, Zach is taking Arsenal as well, and I think this is going to be my one tie of the week. I think Brighton here shake things up a bit. Uh, they definitely play similar style, and I think they can they can maybe nick like a, a 1-1 here. Um, I, I see similar vibes to that draw Southampton had with Arsenal. Um, Tottenham versus Aston Villa. This is a game that I, I really do feel strange about. I know Villa just got kind of dismantled, um, by Liverpool, but I think Liverpool are a much better team than Tottenham right now. I'm gonna take a draw. I think. Yeah. I was I was thinking similarly. Zach's taking Spurs. I am as well. I think it's a bit risky. Um, I think Emmy Martinez should be back for this game. Um, he was just returning before this latest game, so I think him and goal is a massive boost for them. But 
Uh, Spurs are getting their World Cup guys back, so that should be a massive boost for them, especially in the back line when it comes to build-up. As long as they can hold Villa to level at the half, I think they win this game easily. So I think Tottenham here. Okay. And then we have um, Nottingham Forest versus Chelsea. So go ahead. You, you do the final pick here. Yeah, uh, this one's a little sketchy. I think it should just be like Bournemouth there, straight up. I'm taking Chelsea, so Zach. But Forest at home are significantly better. They have 11 points at home, whereas at away they've only earned two. Um, they, they've gone up at the half, I think, three out of their eight home matches, whereas Chelsea don't do very well in the first half. Uh, this past one was the first one of the year where they did significantly well. So... I wouldn't put it out of the question that Forrest get a quick lead here, especially after the questionable build-out we had last week with Silva, but um, I think the loss of James is going to put a dent into our attack as well. So I think this is going to be a Chelsea like 1-0 win. Not okay. feeling too, too confident, but we have to win this before the Man City game. Uh, I'll take Chelsea straight up, but... I th- I wouldn't be surprised here if I got boned, like if Nottingham yeah. Forest somehow won, like on some bullshit, and Chelsea just aren't yeah. able to score. Like it, it honestly wouldn't shock me all that much. So yeah, I'll take them. I'm, I'm was, hoping Chelsea are better now at the second half of this. Yeah, week, but I was I was looking at our past picks, and this past weekend was the first correct Chelsea pick I had in the last six weeks. Oh shit! Because they've been losing and drawing, so. I don't know if they'll make a run of it. I think Graham played the system a lot simpler, and he didn't rotate too many guys in weird positions. So I would be very happy if he plays pretty much the same 11 here, bar Reese James, obviously. So let's hope he just keeps it simple and doesn't rotate four guys. Okay, fair enough. Um, That's everything, right? Yep, that's it. I think the... Next week picks up like midweek type of games again. Um, yeah, mon- Monday is the next game. Okay, so we might have to do a we might have to do a review on Sunday. If not, we're gonna have to do it Monday night and just send picks before the Liverpool game there. Okay. So we'll figure it out. So, yeah, we'll keep everybody posted there. All right, cool. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Uh, by the time we talk to you on Sunday or Monday, it'll be the new year. So thanks for sticking with us this year. We appreciate it. And we'll see you soon.